What's up, guys? Richard here. Welcome back to the It's Over podcast. For this episode, we brought on our childhood friend, Noble San. This is the first episode of a new series we're trying out called A Friendship That Fell Apart, where we bring on old friends and try to be a little vulnerable and talk about how we drifted apart despite being close friends back then. Hope you enjoy. Man, maybe we're just all idiots. (laughs) 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 Moral of the story. But I guess I, I do see a history of my own, which is that I get jealous of my friends. I mean, I get possessive of my friends. It happened with you, Noble, and it happened with Richard at the end of sixth grade. I mean, that's 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 interesting because, I mean, people should know this is the first time that Patrick and I have addressed this. and This is six years ago. What did you think was the reason that our friendship fell apart? It's because I was angry at how little you seem to care about our friendship in comparison with your growing relationship with Jessica. But also all the other things too, your growing relationship with anyone who wasn't me, including our band friend. Um, so let's just start from the beginning. We met in seventh grade, pretty much. Okay, where I was at the beginning of seventh grade when we met Noble is that I think I was reeling away from my friendship with Richard. I think my friendship with Richard at that point was pretty much winding down. (laughs) Was it? Yeah, I think so. And so I was kind of on the search for new close friends. And And then I said, oh, there's this cool Noble guy who sits next to me pretty much every other day in band class. I hadn't met him before. So that's where I was. I don't remember where I was, to be honest. I just remember um, I was very focused on doing the trombone, not even because I wanted to, but because our trombone teacher, he forced me into into the wind ensemble thing. Yeah, I remember just like um, getting into wind ensemble. And, and the first piece that, that we played that we practiced was Pie in the Face Polka. <laughs> had the had the part that was like, yeah. do 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 for us. And yeah, I just couldn't keep up with that. And so... That's why I was just kind of in band, a band kid right there. And then I guess our friendship started how all friendships start, which is just that we enjoyed each other's company. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I think so. And then we started just doing things together. And we had a bunch of classes together, which helped. Seventh grade, we did. Eighth grade, we did it. You know what? Seventh grade, okay, out of seven classes, including Win Ensemble, we had Win Ensemble, band, science, math. We had math together. Yeah, so four out of six classes. Maybe it was inevitable that we become friends. Do you think that your friendship developed mostly outside of band, or was it in band? It was everywhere. I think PE played a large role. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Outside of school-related, It was uh, we picked up the game Team Fortress 2. I don't know why I picked it up, uh, but then I'm, I'm pretty sure I showed Patrick, and then we got pretty serious into that game as well. Yeah, dude, you ruined my life. You got me hooked into Team Fortress 2. Do you still and then play? I got I got Richard hooked into it. Yep. And then we all started playing together at some point. Those were fun times. Yeah. How many hours do you have, Noble? Like three thousand in that game. Oh my god, <laughs> that's even more than Patrick and I combined. It was one thousand at the end of eighth grade. Really? Yeah. Well, my brother my brother plays nowadays, and he uses my account. Oh. Brother, yeah. 
And I don't know, do you remember what you liked about me or about Richard? Or is it just something where it just kind of falls into place? Um, I'll say this. I've, I've never had as close of a friendship uh, with someone else as I had with Patrick back then. So I think we just, we meshed really well. We could talk to each other, make jokes, probably like any kind of, any pair of close friends were. And also we had a good community around us. We had like our other friends that we, we were all talked to. We had things we did together all the time. I think that's uh, what I like about Patrick. I remember Patrick was always really funny. He made this face where he stuck out his lower jaw and it was replicated, replicating the troll face back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I have a picture of that in my phone somewhere. It's awful. Oh, it's real good. That used to be my Facebook profile picture. You should make it your Facebook again. What do you like about me? I Yeah, my favorite thing about you definitely was just that we could mess around together and we weren't afraid to do embarrassing things. We just made a, we just made a fool out of ourselves. We one time joined Science Olympiad for one meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. And then we, and... we ditched because it was raining. <laughs> Didn't want to do anything. <laughs> It was rainy. Do we want to go play in the rain? Was that what happened? <laughs> it was that, and also they said we had to study a lot, and so we were like, no. <laughs> yeah, I think the nice thing is just if you have someone with you, and then you just try new things that you otherwise wouldn't have tried. Yeah. I Yeah, I think we, oh, just overall, we had a good time together. I remember in um, in science class one time, the teacher, she would give extra credit if you could write down notes on the video. But Noble and I, and this third friend, Robert, <laughs> um, we would try to get around them. We would say stu- really stupid notes, like <laughs> the scientist is wearing a red shirt. <laughs> and then we would say, no, teacher, no one else had these notes. These are special notes. But then she didn't accept that. <laughs> Oh, that was awful at South Point. I think South Point, 7th and 8th grade are responsible for a large part of my lacking homework habits for <laughs> high school. Like, I remember in a homeroom, we didn't have, we didn't share a homeroom, but like homeroom would be you just pass around each other's homework from last night. Someone did one subject and then at the end you'd have all the subjects. Oh my god. What? Dude. What? I read in homeroom. Really? <laughs> no, no, Patrick. Dude, there was an exchange going on every single day in homeroom where people were yeah. furiously copying notes under the table. Oh, I don't remember that. In fact, Robert got me into tension one time because he was copying my <laughs> science homework, I think. And then all of a sudden, I got marked for plagiarism. <laughs> yup, that happened. My first ever detention, I think. <laughs> I think Robert was a pretty central character uh, in, in our friendship. I think we, we, we did a lot of things in regards with Robert. But I think slowly we all we started um, just kind of breaking away from him. Maybe not even slowly. Pretty suddenly, I think. Uh, Patrick first, then me next. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was, he was just um, a very egocentric person. But then, okay, I think the beginning of seventh grade, I think I was in a pretty angry point in my life for a couple of things. I think number one, Richard, I don't know if you sense this, but I feel like we were fighting a lot at that point. 
I noticed that. You guys bought band over chairs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, stupid things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would set up my chair and then I would go get my trombone and then you'd sit down in my chair. Yeah, I remember that incident very clearly. But was that a history of tension in our friendship? I think so. Because we weren't as close in 7th grade, right? What were we fighting about? It was just dumb things. Uh, maybe uh, Patrick felt a little inferior to you in, in regards to trombone. No, that can't be it. Actually, okay, that's the the second point was that, yo, in in trombone, definitely, I think I had a huge ego problem, like an inferiority inferiority complex. A little bit, yeah, because I remember in at the end of sixth grade when I got into wind ensemble, the section leaders, they just weren't very nice to me, and I remember in the beginning of seventh grade they gave me the worst trombone that had a trigger. So the worst trombone that they could have given me. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to practice so hard. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show that I'm not the worst trombone here. And so I think that that had a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. I mean, for context, like Richard's trombone playing was praised everywhere he went. I, I think I was okay. I had good tone. But aside from that, I felt like our skill level in terms of like, reading the music or just playing accurate notes i thought we were pretty similar maybe tone wise it was a little easier to distinguish but besides that i don't think that you guys were worse than me in any other way in fact i feel like you were probably more hard working than me because i was the kind of student who every time before dave's lesson i would just learn the music for the first time i never ever practiced ever I think that probably made the resentment even worse, actually, because you would go to band practice and you say, oh, I, I didn't practice and you didn't practice. But for some reason, you still sounded better and you still hit the notes better. OK, but I had an advantage, though, because I was the first mover. I was an early mover into Win Ensemble. I was the first sixth grade trombonist to get in. Right. So obviously I had a, a history of being in the more advanced group and naturally people are going to be like oh he's been in wind ensemble for a couple months now so therefore he's already good and people just assign you better parts to that so i don't think that i was necessarily better than you i was just an early mover and i got lucky that i was kind of scouted by miss Wilmering to be in the wind ensemble in fact when i think about it i felt like noble you were extremely hardworking when it came to trombone i mean i i had to be because, like, um, yeah, I was kind of forced into there. Like, Dave suggested me trying out or uh, auditioning, and I didn't want to do it. And then he just put me in, and I didn't have to audition. But that kind of carried, <laughs> like, a stigma with everybody else. And also, like, behind the face polka was a pretty fast-paced thing for, like, a really... I remember the trombone, you know, the slides we have to clean. I'd use, like, olive oil or something because I didn't want to go <laughs> buy slide oil. And so my trombones were always awful. And so maybe that's just what you saw me struggling through the movements again and again but but yeah no i just thought you practiced a lot like you and the other people in our section like they just you guys practice a lot more than i do and i respect that and i thought that you guys deserved more than anything it was very gracious richard i i do remember now that we're talking about it as i was trying to catch up to richard pretty soon i was turning around i was saying this noble kid is also catching up to me <laughs> <laughs> and that fueled the resentment even more do you guys remember what happened in seventh grade is that I practiced hard 
in the beginning because I wanted to prove that I wasn't the worst trombone, but I accidentally practiced too hard and I got first chair. Yeah, you did. You did I get got fifth chair. chair. Noble, you got like second or third. <laughs> no way, you got fifth chair. I got chair. fifth chair. I remember this. I was not first chair. Because Patrick was. I walked up to the paper because they always publicly reveal the chair placements. Yeah, they, they and do. And I that. was ju- I was walking up there hoping. Okay, I hope I'm not last chair. And I saw my name at the very top of the list, and I was horrified. And then I stopped practicing so that I would not be first chair anymore. You didn't want to be first chair. No, because it was a lot of pressure being first chair. And then people would always say, oh, it was a fluke. How, how did you beat Richard? How did you beat the other guy who was also very good? So competitiveness in band was, uh, was what was included in the start of seventh grade, I think, for, for yeah. both you and I. Definitely back then, but even now, I'm just a very competitive person. And so that definitely hurt my relationship with Richard. I think I take things personally. So that competitive aspect wasn't exactly the healthiest start to like our friendship, but naturally, like you guys started getting closer and closer together, right? Yeah, I think it also drew us into each other because if we're both kind of doing this thing, we're doing the same thing already. We also hung out after school. I felt like when sometimes we'd practice we on the uh, the lunch tables or just like hang out there in the band room, right? I, you know, as. Uh, as our three relationship, as a relationship between us three started to progress, I remember Patrick like telling this to us while we were playing. He was like, he was referring to how I became friends with you guys. And he was like, Noble, you kind of sort of barged in. Like you broke down a door and, and kind of barged in or something. I remember distinctly Patrick saying that to describe how we became friends. So it was very sudden. Oh, that's cruel. I think that's so. Really I mean. think, I mean... <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you meant it that way but I think um yeah I think it was pretty sudden how how close how quickly we became close friends I probably did mean it that way I was probably I don't know maybe I was jealous or something oh <laughs> all right <laughs> okay then <laughs> would you say in seventh grade that you guys were probably best friends at that point yeah. I think so. Did that carry over into 8th grade? Towards the beginning of 8th grade. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. But 8th uh, grade is when things went downhill. Yeah. Actually, Noble, when you started getting closer to this other trombone intersection, I thought that was the start of the decline. Really? So yeah. the, the other trombone being the other 7th grader that was in with ensemble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I always saw him as being included in our group of three. I saw back in seventh grade how it felt when um, I saw Richard as kind of straying away from us a little bit uh, as he was starting to hang out with some of the very talented players in Wind Ensemble in other sections and stuff. And, and they, I guess, appreciated him more because he was uh, a better player. And so I saw the other trombone We'll call him uh, Baker, right? We'll call him Baker. Baker was getting, was just kind of becoming part of our group or even almost replacing Richard in a sense. Oh, okay. I didn't feel that at all. I remember near the end of seventh grade, there's this thing called Music at the Point, which is a big deal for band people because it's a huge fundraiser day 
they have water slides and you perform and you just have right. a good time with your friends. And I remember that day, you and Baker, you guys went to go get food or something and you were gone for the entire day. And I definitely remember feeling extremely left out that day. In my head, I think I know what you're talking about because it wasn't just me and Baker. I remember our other friend that'll become a more prominent character as we go along, Robert. He was there as well. I remember specifically because Robert had new beats on and, and wanted us <laughs> to try them. But I thought you were there, Patrick. No. We walked to in and out But I think at that point, there wasn't any specific malice against you. Yeah, I see that now. But I think at that point, during that day, I, I could only see in terms of me. And I think that was really bad. But in my head, that's when our friendship started kind of fraying. Which, that seems like that's ahead in the timeline compared to when you thought the same. Yeah, it does seem, uh, it does seem, yeah, it is more... A little premature. <laughs> Patrick, did you just see this friendship between Noble and Baker as just taking away from your friendship with Noble? Is that the reason? I think so. I think I was jealous. I think we're also, we're skipping, I mean, I don't know how you'd want to structure this, but we're kind of jumping back and forth here because I was also good friends with Robert and through that relationship as I was building that relationship along with Patrick Patrick also became good friends with Robert and at one point they started teasing me or something and I hated both of them and I I, I remember one day I was just silent to them it was sort of like a like a I silent treatment that. to both of them right and so I think there was also that instance where I felt kind of jealous of you and, and Robert's friendship evolving faster than ours I remember, you know what, Noble, because Robert and I, one time, the three of us, we planned to go to the movies together. And for some reason or another, you couldn't go. So Robert and I went alone. And for the week or two weeks afterward, we kept rubbing that in your face. The fact that we went to the movies without you. <laughs> and we kept quoting lines from the movie. And we would bring it up randomly in conversations. And, that, and you wouldn't be able to say anything because you hadn't seen the movie. And you hadn't been there. I think I remember that. Was that around the time when you started your silent treatment? Uh, no, I think the silent treatment was a very specific day because you guys pissed me off that one day real bad. And I was like, I don't want to deal with you guys. And, and it was like, it was kind of funny. We were in science class and I sat next to those two in science class. And I wasn't talking to them and they were both trying to get me to talk to them. They were like, Noble, what's wrong? Why are you talking? Why, are you, why aren't you talking to us? <laughs> I wasn't very, I don't think we were at a point of emotional maturity where I could at least me uh, communicate to you that I was angry at you. And so I just stopped talking it to you guys and let you guys figure it out. But towards that, that time frame, I think was when there was a bit of strain on our relationship. I don't think that's when it started going down. Yeah, I think we recovered fully from that one because that must have been in the middle of seventh grade. I think so. I think we actually had a heart to heart steam chat about that one where I was <laughs> like, I was, you know, actually, no, that came after that came after you stopped being friends with Robert. How did that happen? Yeah, I think Robert is just a very powerful personality. And I can remember specific instances when I felt like he would get a group of people to tease me. So, for example, one time, for some reason or another, our friend group had a box of chocolates. And he was handing out the chocolates to people. And then I would ask for a chocolate and he would say no. 
and I would say, what? Why aren't you giving me a chocolate? He just wouldn't tell me. I think he was just teasing me. But I got really upset at that. And then at one point, he finally handed me a chocolate. And just to show him, I walked over to the trash can and I threw it away. So I think over time, I just started appreciating his company less. I remember when you finally decided to not associate with him anymore. Um, I was scared that you would do the same to me. And so I asked you, I was like, you know, what's going on? And hopefully it doesn't happen. And you were like, yeah, you know, it's all right. Like, uh, it's okay. It's not going to happen to us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. How did you cut off relationships with Robert? How did that go? I think I just stopped talking to him. Did he make an effort to talk to you? And you he did. He it? did. He would. He would make efforts to talk more to Patrick, but Patrick became very one-worded in his responses, very yeah, sharp, very quick. Sorry, did you feel that this was just very toxic to your friendship triangle? And I think Robert was toxic in general. Looking back on it, but look, back then, I never really understood what happened between Patrick and Robert. And so I just kind of saw it as Patrick didn't like him anymore. Mm. But then Noble, eventually your friendship with Robert also frayed. But that's that's a little bit further down the line. That involves another character that we'll talk about, we'll, who we'll call Jessica. Jessica was a girl that I had an incredible crush on. And, and you knew about this. Uh, everybody knew about it. Robert knew about it. And... Robert, I considered a close friend and a confidant, and he was also friends with Jessica. I remember this one time where the band went to Disneyland. We were just, you know, like in Disneyland, but then on the ride home from the bus, I get a text from Jessica, who I presumed at this point liked me back as well. And she reported that Robert had been trying to make moves on her the entire day. And so I really saw that as a betrayal of our friendship, that he did that behind my back. He knew how much I cared about her, and he still, he still, you know, tried to do all that. So the next day I confronted him, and I was like, you're, it's all right. I said F you to his face, and, and, and that was it. Okay, so a few months after I kind of broke things off with him, and then I guess after you did the same, the friendship triangle was gone. Yeah, it was just you and me. Back to you and me. Just you and me, yeah. How does Baker fit into all this? Was he also a separate kind of friendship triangle? That's my question, because for me, I always felt Baker was just a good friend, like a really good friend of ours, and that was that. No, I definitely felt jealous of Baker because I thought that you were getting closer with him. But maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe I misinterpreted it. Yeah, I, I didn't think that that fray, I mean, that fray was started there. That I thought that we were just kind of introducing or recruiting Baker into our friendship. Yeah, I think I wrongfully associated every action that other people took in relation to me. So I just assumed that everyone was doing things thinking of me while they were doing it, which that obviously wasn't the case. Yeah, I don't remember Jessica being a player at all until 8th grade. She wasn't until 8th grade. As you mentioned, you started crushing pretty hard on her. And you talked about her all the time, which of course you did because you had a crush on her. No, but uh, I definitely was um, to levels that were just kind of like obsessive. I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I was very on edge about that whole situation with her. Very, very much on edge because 
Um, things just weren't going in any sort of direction, and all kind of signals from her were kind of in every single direction. And so, for myself, I didn't know how to interpret that, and just kind of wound up as worried, which I would spew on to to you or anybody that would listen. And I think that's what really shut out our friendship. I think it was just like that's all we would talk about again and again, and that's just it's boring and people get tired of that Mm. actually now that i think about it our friendship in my mind waned down at the end of seventh grade but at the beginning of eighth grade it was a huge revival and then we were back to as good as ever and then i think what started happening was you would want to spend time with her and then the only time that you wouldn't spend with her maybe she wanted to talk to her other friends or whatever reason. And that's the only time when you would come talk to me or us. I remember distinctly one time at lunch, you randomly showed up to our group and you were just talking like normal. And But you had been missing for, for quite a long time. And we had a good time that lunch. I remember we stood in the middle of lunch and I started spinning around in circles for no reason. And that was fun. But... Yeah, I, I think I just felt like a second priority. During lunch, did you sit with Jessica Noble? I don't think so. No, we would just um, go off to the library or something. So if you weren't sitting with the group anymore, then how were you spending your time during lunch? Talking to her, trying to figure things out. But I mean, I guess there's only so much that middle schoolers could figure out. <laughs> uh, in regards to that and so yeah all my all my energy was really just spent toiling over that and and I did lose sight of I did lose I guess the investment that I put in I stopped putting in as much effort into my friendships with really everybody around me but I guess because Patrick was the closest to me he felt it the most well I definitely overreacted and I definitely saw it as a bigger problem than it probably was. Because you just had a crush. And that's just that's just how it is, you know? Of course, when you have a crush on someone, you think about them all the time. But I remember one time, we were probably playing TF2 together. And we were calling. And then suddenly, you dropped the call. And then about five minutes later, you said, Oh, sorry, my mom called me. And for some reason... I was adamant in believing that you had, in fact, dropped the call on purpose to talk to Jessica for a little bit, which is completely illogical. But for some reason, at that point, that's what I believed. And that made me extremely angry. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, I think I would have told you if it was like a a call from Jessica coming in. Um, I think it wasn't just, it wasn't just you who felt it. I think it was, uh, I think um, our other friend, Amalai, she, um also got very tired of me and maybe uh, lost any kind of regard for me in regards to our friendship as well because she was also an incredibly close friend to me at the time and similarly our friendship started to falter just like ours ours did between you and I Patrick but maybe not to the same degree because again you were uh, the closest friend I'd ever had and so I think we really did feel the impacts of where each other placed their priority the most. 
Yeah. And it was especially sharp for Amelie because she also had kind of feelings for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. I guess just that too. Man, maybe we're just all idiots. <laughs> 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 Moral of the story, but I guess I I do see a history of my own, which is that I get jealous of my friends. I mean, I get possessive of my friends. It happened with you, Noble, and it happened with Richard at the end of sixth grade. So it's a problem of mine too. I mean, that's 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 interesting because. I mean, people should know this is the first time that Patrick and I have addressed this, and this is six years ago. What did you? Th- what did you think was the reason that our friendship fell apart? It's because I was angry at how little you seem to care about our friendship in comparison with your growing relationship with Jessica. But also all the other things too. Your growing relationship with anyone who wasn't me, including our band friend. Mm. I never. I, I didn't think that. I thought that we fell apart because I just had my focus, like hyper focus, on Jessica too much, and it was just like getting tiring or bothersome to the people around me. I remember eighth grade being one of probably my least favorite years of any kind of schooling, and seventh grade being my favorite. Oh wow. So there was a huge kind of uh, fall off right there. And it seems like it partially played a role, but I didn't see the other factors that you, that, that you brought up. I think that was mostly just in my own head, though. It didn't actually occur in reality. All, all my fears that all these different people were taking you away from me. But then also another thing that I, I'm very sorry for now is that when you would leave, you go talk to Jessica or just any time you weren't with us, we talk about you. And I think that we kind of created a solidified front, like the French in World War II, the line of Magano or whatever. And we just all kind of signed a pact that wasn't official, but we just said, okay, we're not going to be friends with Noble anymore. And I think that was vindictive and unnecessary. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Who was this pack with? <laughs> oh, it was just all our mutual friends. So, Amelie, our band friend. Nah, just them two, actually, probably. The funny thing is that those two, Amelie and our band friend, I got much closer to them over our shared resentment of you. Oh. <laughs> so, that kind of started that fr- those friendships, which... Is another way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely accept the responsibility on the part of me stopping putting effort into you guys. Although I will say that, um, like, it hurt. I think there were a few hurts in middle school. Uh, Jessica and I completely fell off. And so that, of course, hurts on its own level, of, as it would with any sort of ending to a, any kind of potential romantic endeavor. But... I think for myself, ending things with her, if there weren't really any things to begin with, but let's just say stop talking to her and then stop stopping to talk to you, Patrick, 
it happened in my head muddled around the same time. And so as I went into high school and really reflected on it, the pain that that time brought on, a significant pain, was more so the loss of my friendship with you. And that was that was really devastating. Uh, more so than, than anything that happened elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, I think I definitely, in the, at the end of eighth grade, or just whenever we fell apart, there was a part of me that wanted to stick it to you. I remember in when ensemble, I would intent, I would look at you, and then I would intentionally sit far away from you. And when you tried to reach out, you say, "Hey, can we hop on a call?" I would refuse, and I forced us to use a crappy Steam message chat <laughs> to try to work out complicated issues. Yeah. Well, who knows? That might have been a better idea than a call with how emotionally mature we were back then. <laughs> I think you were definitely more mature than I was because you tried to reach out. Yeah. Well, I mean, silver lining to that is towards the end of eighth grade, I did start kind of branching myself out into different friend groups that I'd never once talked to before. And uh, by the time that high school came around, I got pretty good at making friends. So after we ended, I'm wondering, in high school... Did you also create very close friendships throughout high school? Mm, I don't think I've ever held on to a best friend since for more than a year or two. I think um, high school was a time of immense change. And I went from the totally opposite direction that I had in eighth grade to being heavily involved in athletics and and student body programs and, and all that into again, reeling away from all those programs because I got burnt out and finding a new direction and then getting pulled back to focus on school again in kind of a wishy-washy way. And so with each transition came different people who were on a similar path at each at each point. And I guess it's just natural that you gravitate towards people that do the same things that you do or share the same mindset, at least that you share. And I think that's why it has been that I haven't really held on to a best friend for a too significant amount of time. Yeah, I agree. Throughout high school, I've never, I had never been able to hang on to a best friend or an incredibly close friend for longer than a year or two. I think that's a common trend throughout high school. For the reasons you said, where you would just stop having classes together or you would just have different interests and it would fall apart that way. Yeah, and I guess that's what happens when you just don't make the right effort. Yeah, Richard, what's your take on all this? Well, I think when all of this was going on, I was quite oblivious to things. I knew that, Noble, you were interested in this girl, and I don't think I really sat with you guys at lunch very often, but I would come here and there and join you guys and hang out. Now that I think about it, I actually didn't spend that much time with you guys outside of band, outside of the obligated time period. Yeah, I felt pretty close to Patrick in seventh grade. I felt increasingly close to you, Noble, towards the middle of seventh grade, just because Patrick introduced me to you. But I definitely didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I knew that Noble was trying to go after his girl, and I knew that Patrick and his friend group were 
sort of mocking you for that or unhappy about that. And I didn't think I wanted to get involved in that, which is why I didn't really dig deep into it. And so I was very, very oblivious to everything. And I purposefully kind of kept it that way because I, in my opinion, I avoided all kinds of drama in middle school just to get away from it all. I didn't want any toxicity in my life. I'm wondering what what do you guys think is a good approach if you have a very close friend and you kind of see him starting to drift away? Because clearly my response was dramatically inappropriate. <laughs> but what's a good way to deal with that? If you can sense the other person starting to put maybe a little bit less effort in the friendship that you're still invested in. I think the best solution I'm coming to find that the best solution to all relationship problems, be it a romantic relationship or a platonic relationship, is just to really reach out and get conversation going and just lay out all your problems. At least, you know, think about what you're seeing and lay out a package so you're not just going there like, hey, uh, what's, what's, on, what's going on? But I think it's hard. I think where I've practiced that the most maybe is in my uh, relationship with my girlfriend, where as with any relationship, we've had uh, ups and downs and we've had to be incredibly vulnerable to each other to, to overcome those situations. And I mean, I say this, but it's, it's, even though it's incredibly hard in this relationship with her, it's going to be exponentially harder with anybody else that, hasn't had a history of me and them having a vulnerable relationship, a vulnerable and open enough relationship to where you can communicate heavy, heavy emotion and still be fine. Because I think a lot of friendships, people are always worried about like their friends, like I want to look cool in front of my friends. And that causes a guard that it always stays there. It's like, you don't want to look stupid or sound dumb or be open to attack from, even like your close friend, but I think that's what it takes. Yeah, I do think the simple act of reaching out and telling your friend that, hey, I think we're drifting apart, I think that can play a pretty big role because it forces you guys to kind of go one way or another, right? If you don't address the problem, then you're going to drift apart anyways. But if there's that subtle reminder that maybe we should both put more effort into building this friendship for the long term, then... It can really steer things around. And also I feel like part of the reason why your friendship fell apart was the very fact that Patrick, you and the other friends were talking behind Noble's back. I can't believe that. I'm a little shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a call tonight. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that just seems very... I mean, you're not even giving them a chance to really get back into the friendship, right? That already tells me that mentally you guys have kicked that person out of the friend group and it'll be exponentially harder to even justify bringing him back in. I agree. I think at that point when we started talking about you all the time, I can't speak for them, but at that point I had given up completely on our friendship. And when you're talking about communication, I think that's really that's a really good point because if I had brought up these issues earlier. Oh, I don't like how you're getting closer to Van Kid. I don't like how you're getting closer to 
blank blank blank. You could have told me, dude, suck it up, right? And <laughs> that could have been a good message for me at that point. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think, at least for me, uh, our failed friendship has been a significant mystery in my own personal life. Even though we had a reunion with all the trombone players earlier in 2019? Yeah, a year ago. Yeah, like winter 2019. Um, like we didn't really talk much, Patrick. We didn't talk much there. Uh, I, I really talked to everybody else who was there. We were my friends as well, but, you know, it's kind of lasted till now to where we can, we're kind of reconnecting in this way. I think that's an opportunity that I'm actually very thankful for. I think a lot of people have had relationships that have gone this sort of direction and they haven't received the kind of closure from it. They haven't received the understanding. So what, what we're doing right now is like once in a million kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. If it weren't for the fact that Richard and I wanted to make this episode, there's no way I would have ever reached out, I think. Yeah, because at this point, we're six years down the road. We're moving on. We have our own lives to take care of, you know? Yeah, but I am very glad that we were able to just try to figure out what happened. And then, Noble, when you moved into high school, I'm curious, the friendships that you had in high school, were they affected at all by this fallout where you were more cautious or where you felt more scared to be vulnerable and close with people? Because I think I definitely felt that. I always searched for it because I always wanted that, um, that kind of closeness again. You know, because that was something really special. And it wasn't so much that I felt put off from finding another close friend. It, it, it was more so that I felt that my actions in trying to pursue a relationship with Jessica back in eighth grade led to all this. And so I really put off, I put off like any sort of romantic kind of a thing, any serious romantic endeavors for a while. But it definitely made you more cautious when you were entering into high school about like what you should invest time into, right? Or It was really different. I think I became very goal-oriented because even though Patrick and I had a great friendship, a lot of what we did were, were uh, I guess, really fun, but they were kind of distractions. We played TF2 for hours on end. And I think also towards eighth grade, correct me if I'm wrong, I also felt that our friendship fell apart because I was still kind of stuck just looking at what was going on in middle school. Like this thing happened with Jessica, I'm still playing TF2. Whereas I felt that you started taking a look at your next steps forward. You know, where am I going to go for college? And so I think towards ninth grade, I really started doubling down on on that. <laughs> At that point in time, my goal was to get into Harvard as a medical student. And so... I started volunteering. I started volunteering at a hospital, actually, in, in middle school at Cedar Sinai. Uh, I ran for class president. I joined the football team and I joined the marching band. I was just dead set on building this this like repertoire, this resume that I could write down at the end of four years. Yeah, I think near the end of eighth grade, I quit. I quit gaming. I quit that game that we played together all the time. And I did do a lot of other things. I think in middle school, I didn't really care about grades very much. And I wanted to kind of have a fresh slate in high school. So yeah, maybe we, we were also just in different parts of our lives at that point. 
Maybe. And I think also that's why Richard was able to sort of sidestep all of this. Because you were much more focused on your future than Patrick or I was at the time that you were focused on. I think there was always, you were always talking about the, the early program. Early entrance program? Yeah, entrance program. And you yeah, you didn't have time like for this SA, kind of nonsense. Like like <laughs> SAT scores back then. Like what, what? I think you were you were already pursuing taking those tests back then. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just had extracurricular interests that aligned with my career or college application, and I got lucky with that because I don't recall trying to focus very much on establishing a good resume or a good profile for college or anything like that. I just got lucky. I don't think I actually put in a lot of effort into that. And I wasn't consciously thinking about that. I just was in a very privileged position. No, Richard, I think you're selling yourself short. I think we all knew that you were wicked smart and wicked talented in a lot of things. Do you guys remember at the end of eighth grade when they had that award ceremony where you get recognized for like the top five students from each class? Yeah, you got like four different awards. No, I got six different. I got every single class I had. (laughs) So basically the way it works in in middle school is the teacher picks like five students out of the 30 to 35 person class at the end of the year. And they get the most like outstanding student award or something. And then I got six different plaques. So I had to go up and down into the seat multiple times. But to me, that was mind blowing because I did not expect to get that many awards at all. I didn't expect to get any award because I didn't think I made any lasting impressions on my teachers at all. Because I remember Patrick and I were, we'd fallen off at this point towards at the award ceremony. But uh, I think I was sitting near him, so I overheard him speaking. And he was saying, he was in regards to the awards, he was like, what award am I going to get? The best trombone who didn't go to Allstate? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That's so pessimistic, <laughs> All man. Southern. All Southern. And then, Noble, I think when Richard says he didn't feel he made a lasting impression on his teachers, we definitely made a lasting impression on our teachers. But no, Richard, I think you left a lasting impression. Yeah, here's the thing, though. I felt like in middle school, you can focus on two things, right? You can focus on academics or you can focus on social, just a, being a, a cool person to be around. And... I thought you guys were a lot better at making friends and and being cool. Like, Noble, you you exuded masculinity. I was going to say, Noble was cool. Noble, Noble was, was very cool, cool in, in middle school. Yeah, you're just a handsome guy. And... Uh, th- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I think my point here... What was my point? Well, okay, my point was I... Yeah, I focused on academics, sure. But, of course, academics are going to be praised. While you and Patrick and other people were having very tight friendships, I was drifting in and out of friend groups, coming here and there. I would sit with different people at lunch, like, every other day. I can definitely relate to that, especially in high school. I think I became more of a drifter as well. It's hard to find someone that you click with so well, like you and I, Noble. Do we screw it up? I mean, you screwed yeah. it up. You and your little pack. <laughs> I can't believe you. <laughs> yeah, but a friendship like that's rare. Yeah, and finding someone that you just mesh with so well is rare. I mean, Noble, in your life now, are there people where you have extremely good chemistry with and 
you feel super close with? I mean, of course, your girlfriend and also, I guess, your business partners. No, just my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Screw your business partner. <laughs> Getting with her, it raised my emotional maturity up like tenfold. And just being exposed to a long-term relationship. There's a lot of things you learn about how not just the other person work, but how people work and how communicate, how big a role communication really plays. Like what we're doing now and looking at what kind of what we did wrong and reconciling it and trying to understand the other person's perspective. Her and I do that probably one time a week, you know, like every week we, we go through something. And so, yeah, that's, that's the only person right now that I'm close with. Because when I think about it, you really do choose one person that you spend your life with and all your other friends, you could have a close buddy and then he tells you that he got a job offer in Tennessee and now he's going to Tennessee. You never see him again. So, and I, I think another thing is that there, you put a real effort in maintaining a relationship versus kind of a friendship. You can just let it die off. Yeah. A friendship is so much more like happenstance. There's less, intention that seems to go into a friendship but i think that maybe maybe that's just what we have from our limited sample size like i've heard of people or you see people and you know people who have best friends since like kindergarten and you're like how the how did you do that maybe it was that they put legitimate effort and legitimate intention into into their friendship is it just me or those stories those people are almost always girls and I think maybe that's because um, girls from a younger age are just more emotionally communicative with each other. Like it's, it's it seems it's almost seen as effeminate for men to open up about their emotions to one another. Yeah, like people call you like gay or something if if yeah. you start talking about your feelings. And I think I think you only get rid of that once you start getting old or. You start realizing that you're lonely, so you start having those conversations. Yeah, or you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, come back. But, I mean, I think we've learned, all, all of us have learned, that even if your friendship is kind of, like, in the past, you can still reconnect and have fun with it. The beauty of, like, reconnecting and kind of resolving old disputes is that everything's in the past, so you can joke about it, right? And I feel like this applies to friendship or relationships. Like, even if you date someone for a year and you break up, you can go back and, like, maybe you need some time to recover, but maybe after two, three years, you come back and talk about it, and you guys are, like, buddy-buddy again. Well, not buddy-buddy, but you just go over what happened. You can have maybe one good coffee chat. <laughs> no, I genuinely <laughs> think that the way, like, friendships work, like, if you if it kind of falls apart... The way to bridge it back up is to reconnect and joke about your past. I feel like that's a really good way to resolve friendships that didn't go down the way it should have. Reconnecting is quite magical. Dude, Noble, when you showed up to my Eagle Project fundraiser and project day, I was touched. I was so surprised to see you there. I did not expect that. Yeah, I think, um, I guess I the magic of our of our friendship it's just, it's never really left me. It's always so, it's always been like kind of alluring. So of course, you know, probably in the back of our heads because we're all so busy, but 
yeah, when I saw your, your Instagram post that you were doing this thing and it was in the area and then I had time that day, I was like, yeah, well, I'll stop by. Yeah, I'm really grateful. That's really cool, Noble. That's really cool. And then, yeah, anytime there's a reunion in your life, I feel like that is such a special occasion. Like, I used to think that class reunions were stupid. Like, who would come back 50 years later to meet a bunch of people they never recognized anymore? But I do see the magic in it, in that a reunion can definitely rekindle a friendship. I think so. It's a really good experience. Even from today's call, this puts Patrick and I on a level of friendship that we haven't had in six years. Not the same level as back in seventh grade, but definitely at a much higher level than even when we had the reunion with uh, the trombone people. Yeah. Yeah, we're back at a place where we understand where each other are coming from. And we are amicable. Yeah, we've, we've cleared all the... We've, and I think you're right about um, how time can, can really... Like, putting things in the past is easier to to just take and kind of and work out. Because if, like, Patrick told me yesterday... I mean, if, he, if he's told me that he created the front with our friends yesterday, I'd be kind of angry. But right now, it's like, you know, we're middle schoolers. Um, we were just... We just didn't know better. Yeah, we were morons. And I think... Because we, we all felt very close to you. It was because you were the center of all of us. Because each of us, we were only kind of connected to each other through you. And it was kind of like we were a pirate crew. And we see the captain chilling in the jungle with another person. In the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're bonded through you. We have We were always bonded through you. So without you, we just continue talking about you. Until, I guess, we just kind of forgot about it all. But that's not a good way to start a friendship. Don't start a friendship because you guys are all mutually angry at someone. I feel like that's how a lot of friendships start. Mutual <laughs> hate. Like, you hate this person. And you're like, yeah, I hate him too. <laughs> Dude, that's the ultimate conversation starter. Yo, do you remember Miss Brady from that class? Oh my gosh, she was so strict. She gave so much homework. I feel like bonding over hatred is a great way to start a friendship. Maybe not the best way to preserve it and maintain it over time, but people love talking no. about... <laughs> you don't think I so? I don't disagree. What? It's such a negative way to start a friendship because you're only bonded together through the fact that both of us are hurt by this other person. In our case. Maybe not only. I think that might be just... Uh, I feel like that's a good way to bring the initial bonding but i think as you continue to become friends you bond over other things like i'm sure that came like sophomore year in high school you amelie and baker weren't like still hating me you guys yeah. bonded over other things yeah and for both you guys in elementary school and middle school did you guys have a lot of best friends where you can point to a year and say, okay, that year I remember this person was my best friend. We did everything together. And did that kind of go away in high school? I know we already touched on this subject, but I'm just so curious why for me in elementary school, middle school, I can touch on best friends I had in specific years I did everything with. And in high school, that went away. And I just had a bunch of moderately close friends that I didn't feel like I clicked extremely well with. 
I think in elementary school and middle school, I had my best friends every year. But after that... Well, because you went to college, so it's even harder in college. Um, no, I can't distinctly remember each year uh, of an elementary school best friend. I can remember maybe a few years, like one or two years where I had a legitimate like best friend. Okay, and that trend kind of continued throughout high school and to today? Yeah, of course, it's not always as black and white as that. There's times when you reconnect with one person or the other, and then you kind of uh, continue on that path. But having one set best friend or one very set, one set very, very close friend for all that time is something really formative. Okay, I think this is a solid ending point. I mean, it's been really nice coming back and talking to you guys, especially you, Patrick. I think there's, if we focus the conversation today, a lot of what happened back then, but I think there's also a lot that we can catch up on. Like there's, there's like, it's been, it's been six years, so there definitely could be. No, yeah, we should get coffee sometime. We should, we should catch up. And I am very thankful that we had this chance to reconnect as well. And just get some closure as to what happened six years ago. I think because uh, Richard and I weren't as close as you and I were, uh, Richard and I have been able to kind of still keep a bridge open between each other. There wasn't any animosity between Richard and I, so we've continued to to kind of just talk every now and then. And... Um, with Patrick, however, so I wasn't so nervous. I wasn't really nervous coming in this conversation talking to Richard, but I was a little bit anxious to see how it would go with Patrick uh, after just so long uh, silence. I was I was a little bit nervous too, but I would say from my end, I was more excited to talk to you again than nervous. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of the It's Over podcast. Uh, Noble, thank you so much for coming on, man. You're welcome. <laughs> and if you guys want to check us out, you can listen to us on Spotify or Anchor or pretty much any other platform. And our Instagram is It's Over Pod. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, that's your thing. You can shoot us an email at It's Over For Real Pod at gmail.com. <laughs> And Noble, one last thing is we have this tradition here, which you actually understand. You're the first guest who's going to understand this tradition. All right, Noble. So do, do you remember that German video when he and Star were playing TF2 and he kept shouting, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's why we named our podcast It's Over. And one tradition is that we always end every podcast by saying it's over together. It's over. Yeah. So let's do it on one. So three, two, one. It's, it's over. over. It's over. <laughs>